Okay, so this morning the message is titled, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? Are You Ready to Welcome Outsiders? When I was uh, a younger guy and in a little bit better, uh, better shape, I used to work in the produce department at Wegmans Food Markets in the northeast of the United States. We used to have these big superstore grand openings. And for the grand openings, we'd have to have everything all spiffed up and everything just right. I worked in the produce department, and you'd have all the apples lined up with the stems facing the same way and all the bananas curved the same way, and everything had to look just right and perfect. And then just before the store opened, you know, the doors opened and the throngs came in, we would basically, are, are you ready? We're ready. We're ready. And the, the manager would go around to all the departments. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And we were ready. And then, of course, we were ready. And then two hours later, the store opened because we were ready early. We had to get started early. And this morning, I want you to ask the question to yourself, are you ready? Am I ready? Am I ready to welcome my neighbor? Am I ready to welcome an outsider? Somebody who's maybe not a part of my neighborhood, my family, my church. Do we have a heart to welcome outsiders? So there's a picture of a, of a hotel that my wife and I stayed in. We stayed in there a couple years ago, and something happened in that stay that's never happened to me before or since. It could happen again. I'm really going to do everything I can not to. I ask now when I go to a hotel to make sure that this doesn't happen to me again. I mean, I think it's, it's got to be a record. I'm going to ask at the end of the service if it happened to any of you, but I guarantee you, I mean, I, I'll give you $100. Wow, it sounds like betting now, right? I'll give you $100 if you had happened to you what happened to me at this hotel. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Hospitality is what we're talking about this morning. Last week we talked about our spiritual life. We talked about enjoying God. We talked about the antidote for being bored with God was understanding and apprehending how crazy God was about us, how much he really loved us. And so hospitality, this is interesting. In the New Testament, uh, this word is made up of two Greek words. And the word is, uh, is love or affection or friend and then stranger, these two words. So the love of strangers. Uh, the philo is like the Philadelphia which is love of of brothers. So you've got the city of brotherly love, which my dad always called the city of brotherly muggers. But he had, I suppose he had reason to. But uh, this word means a love of strangers. So when you were encouraged in the New Testament to show hospitality, it literally means to love somebody who's different, who's strange to us, who's other than us. And back in Leviticus chapter 19, this is really interesting. God began to put together his his heart for what a people should look like as we look at the law. And as the practices of the people were laid out by God, we see this this idea, this um, uh, desire for God to take care of those who were on the outside. So in Leviticus 19, it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Oh, good. How are you doing? Good. Have a good day. 
How rude. Must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Before Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom, uh, at least the, the already the beginning of the kingdom, the kingdom that's not fully here yet, when, before he came, God, God desired to create a people uh, of his own, in a land of his own, and, and he said that you are not to mistreat foreigners. You're to treat them as those who are among you. So the prescription for hospitality is literally sharing with others the love God has shared with you. Sharing with others the love that God has shared with you. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? That's pretty fundamental, pretty basic. Man, it's a challenge to do sometimes. You know, why, why is it that if, you know, you know who a stranger is? Somebody who's different. Somebody who's weird. And you know who the weird people are? The weird people are the people that aren't like me. And to you, the weird people are the people that aren't like you, right? And they're weird. They're, they're strange. And they might be a stranger. And hospitality is, is showing kindness and love to somebody who's different than I am. So several weeks ago, I told you that uh, this person came to our church and they did kind of a secret shopper experience and uh, came in and walked throughout the church and to see how well, how well are we uh, open to strangers who come in, newcomers, outsiders. And they, they didn't give us a gray, but they gave us kind of a designation that we're a more inward church than we are an outward church. And it's pretty predictable. It's pretty predictable that churches that they're after around for a while, unless they're like super focused and super uh, intentional, you start, to, you start to drift inward. People do that. Families do that. Companies do that. A companies may be a little less so because they're focused on the bottom line. And they can't stay open. And the bottom line is they can't deliver their product or service unless they are focused on somebody else. But churches somehow get away with it because the people in the church fund what's going on in the church for them in the church, and they kind of forget about the people that are on the outside. We are, my question is, are we ready to become an outward-focused church? Now, when I ask that question, are you like a little bit, just a little bit insulted by it? Like, I am a little bit. I mean, don't you feel that a little bit? Are you ready to be, become? Are you saying we're not? Okay, so let me change it. Are we ready to become even more outward focused as a church? I mean, I hope we are. I hope we are because, because people need Jesus. People need hope. People need God in their lives. They're lost and without hope, and people need Jesus. The Alliance, here's the Alliance logo uh, on the screen, but the Alliance is, I love the Alliance. We just became a part of the Alliance 15 years ago, my wife and I, and we feel like we found the promised land in ministry talk, right? In, in ecclesiastical circles, the promised land for us has been the Christian Missionary Alliance. I want to read to you just an excerpt of a post that the Alliance put up on their Facebook page and on their website just a couple weeks ago. And here's what it says. Because it was, as we're talking about hospitality, we're talking about from people, immigrants coming in 
to the alliance, no matter what country the alliance in is in, and the alliance is in, oh man, is it 40 or 80 countries or 120? I don't remember. It's a variable of 40. Uh, and they're, they're all around the world. And so they want to be welcoming to immigrants, no matter what country they're in. And certainly here in the United States, and this was written by the people in the U.S. Alliance. They say, this biblical commitment to hospitality and love toward the outsider has been central to the Alliance from its inception. In the late 19th century, Alliance founder A.B. Simpson, an immigrant himself, resigned his role at, at an affluent Presbyterian congregation in New York City when some in the church opposed his efforts to welcome and share the love of Christ with poor, recently arrived Italian immigrants. He launched a new ministry focused particularly on reaching these immigrant communities. The Christian Missionary Alliance was birthed out of a guy's ministry who was focused on reaching immigrant communities in New York City. I mean, the Statue of Liberty, right? Come, come, right? I mean, immigrants, that's where they, that's where they showed up. And the church that he was in, he was bringing these Italian dock workers who were coming to Christ, and they were sitting in the people's pews and in their seats, and they're like, they came to him and they said, uh, A.B., you got to do something about this, man. You, listen, you're our pastor. You cannot keep bringing those people in here, those strangers. So he quit. He left, and he, he started a ministry to immigrants. Caring for immigrants, here's what they write in here, is not just part of our history. It is and will always be a primary calling of God on the alliance to reach and welcome immigrant families into Christ's kingdom. Into Christ's kingdom. Important words. As a multi-ethnic evangelical denomination, the alliance is seeing significant growth among various immigrant communities. Did you know, I wonder if you knew this, the Christian Missionary Alliance as a denomination 40%, that's almost half, 40% of the congregations in the United States are not majority white congregations. So four out of every 10 alliance congregations in the U.S. are majority uh, something else other than white European American. They're mostly immigrant uh, congregations. I think there's like 30-something... Here I go with numbers again, right? 30-something or 300-something. I think there's like 30-something languages represented in the Alliance churches in America. Alliance churches in border states and places uh, and, and places experiencing an influx of immigrants continue to engage in fruitful ministry among these populations, acknowledging together that our forefather families once faced the challenges associated with being strangers in a strange land, as did Jesus. We continue to partner with like-minded organizations like the Immigration Alliance and World Relief to equip and encourage our churches to embrace immigrant families, offering love, mercy, and tangible help while maintaining respect for the rule of law. As the U.S. Alliance family, now this is, a, this is the last sentence, and you can see where this last sentence comes from. As the U.S. Alliance family, we further commit to uphold the unity of the family, a God-ordained institution foundational to the well-being of our communities and our nation. So we 
are as a denomination welcoming those from far away in and welcoming, and here's, here's where I'm concerned and where we have the most opportunity to make a difference, welcoming the outsiders right here in Newton and our surrounding communities, those who are on the outside of faith, those who are on the outside of the family of Jesus, welcoming them in. And when they show up here, are we looking for them? Are we waiting for them? Uh, are we willing to welcome them in and help them to feel welcome? So I met a couple this morning who's new here. And I said hello and uh, got to show them around just a little bit. And I had to tell them what we're doing this morning because we've got two different rooms and it's a little bit of craziness going on. But if nobody had talked to them, you know, what they don't, they don't know. What, how, how would anybody know? How would anybody find their way into this room? Right? Unless, unless you just follow the... Follow the flow of salmon. You know, we're all going this way and we're all, you know, because a little bit of it is upstream. But, but my point is, are we looking for new people? Are we looking for outsiders to welcome them in? So we've been doing this thing called, for lack of a better phrase, strategic uh, planning. Strategic planning. In-house, we've been involved in this for a couple months now. I had a pastor once tell me that um, planning is unbiblical and unspiritual. And strategy is unbiblical. We need the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, well, creation, um, the law of Moses, right? The incarnation, these were all strategic plans. There was a lot of strategy and there was a lot of planning going on. And the Holy Spirit was involved in it from beginning to end. So my point, my point is that we would have love-driven, spirit-dependent planning. I just looked and I see over here um, Craig Smith. Craig, welcome this morning. You didn't know I was going to talk about you. Strategic planning, Craig? Huh? You've been around. He, this guy bumps around this facility probably uh, close to five days out of the week. And he's looking for stuff, systems, and, and things around this place that, that need to get done. He's kind of the go-to guy for all of us who's kind of keeping his finger on the pulse of what, what's happening in the facility. There's some strategy and there's some plan there. It doesn't just happen. You know, you, you all plan to come to church and you doesn't just all of a sudden, oh, we're sitting in this room, we're at church. No, you had a strategy and a plan to get here. But here's the thing. It's got to be love-driven. So I think the next slide is, are, is the boxes that we talked about last fall. That you've got all this, you've got all this stuff here that goes on in a church, but it's all got to be on a foundation of love. That's the motive. That's the motivation. That's the fuel that drives what we do as believers. It's got to be love. So it has to be love driven, and we have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has to bring people in. He's got There's so much that goes on, and so much of this stuff is going to go on in your lives off of this property as you interact with people throughout the week. So let me, let me show you some passages that talk about this idea of hospitality. I mean, they're throughout the Bible, but here in Romans chapter 12, we looked at the one in Leviticus. In Romans 12, Paul writes, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and then practice hospitality. So hospitality is something that you can practice, not just with strangers, but to love a stranger is, is the example and the model of how we can love everybody. 
And so he's saying here particularly hospitality with the Lord's people who are in need. And then in Hebrews, the author there says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. This is a freaky passage. For by, do, by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. You're like, really? Yeah. Some people that have been kind and hospitable, they've actually been angels and they didn't even know it. Maybe you've done that. Maybe an angel has left your presence and been like, wow, that person really knows Jesus because they, really, they were really kind to me. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said this, when you give a luncheon, he said to his host, or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors, because if you do, they may invite you back and thus you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the, the blind, and, and you'll be blessed, although they cannot repay you. Look what this says. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What's the resurrection of the righteous? Well, it's the resurrection of the righteous. What's going to happen there? Well, it's a good stuff, but one of the things is going to be we're going to be repaid when we've offered love and care to people who are different than us and that we would normally like just pass by and not notice. But he says, if you do that, you'll be repaid. If you invite your rich neighbors, they'll invite you back and it's all even. You're not going to get anything for that. But you invite the person who can invite you back. And I will repay you at the resurrection of the righteous. And, you know, we could pinpoint some of what that is throughout the scriptures, but we're not going to take the time to do that. Hebrews 13, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God's heart, and he wants our heart and our mind and our memory and our thoughts to be on those who are suffering as though it was us. Above all, he said, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then finally, in Matthew 25, you're familiar with this one, where Jesus said, you know, you did all these things. And they're like, Lord, um, the righteous will answer him, Lord, wh- when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? Wh- when did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Visiting people that don't expect to be visited, caring for people who don't expect to be cared for. You want to see the face of Jesus, love people who you and your flesh would say, they're not deserving of my love. They're not deserving of my attention. You want to see the face of Jesus? Look into the face of a nursing home patient. Look into the face of the, of the person alongside the street the next time you're, you're in town and they're asking you for, for money. And you're skeptical and you think they're just going to use it for the wrong thing and they probably will. But that's the face of Jesus. Man, getting back to that hotel... We got in there, and man, the guy was rude. It was late. We were tired. 
the guy was really rude. Like, like we were bothering him. Like, dude, you're, you're customer service. You're here at the desk. You're supposed to give us like a room, a nice room to stay in. It wasn't a dump. And I, 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 I you can't see what it is because I put a little black square there because I don't want to like, I don't want to rip on any chain. But it was a chain. And uh, he, he finally gives us the keys and we take our stuff and we go up and we put the key in and actually it wasn't, you know, it's one of the cards. And I, and I opened the door and I could smell like salami or pastrami or some kind of cold meat sandwich with like Italian dressing on it. And I could see the glow of the TV on the edge of the bed that was all crumpled up. And I thought, I saw the covers move a little bit and I thought, there's people in here. And I closed the door and I, we, we, come on, let, let's go. And we started walking out because I thought they're going to come out, right? Like, what are you doing in our room? So we go down the hall and, and I go back to the desk and I'm like, there's, there's somebody in the room. Oh, I'm sorry. They, no, no, I'm saying there's somebody in that room. You gave me a key to somebody's room and they were already renting that room. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, we're, our systems are messed up a little bit and sometimes they don't tag a room that's already been filled. I said, okay, well, when you get me in a room, don't give the key to that room to somebody else behind me. So we, you know, go through the rigmarole, and he gives me another one, and we go to the room, and, and I joke with my wife about, oh, there's somebody that I guarantee you. I put it in, I look, and oh my goodness, there's bare feet sticking out from the covers, and they started moving when I opened the door, and I was like, no, and I closed the door. And we go back down, and I said to the guy, there was somebody in that room. And he's like, well, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, blah, blah. I Listen, give me a room. You're going ahead of us. You're opening the door. You're making sure nobody's in there. And so we did that. He went ahead of me and he opened and there wasn't any. So we get in. There's no towels. He's long gone. Well, it's Mitch, you know, Mitch, go down and get some towels. And Mitch goes running down towels. And then there's some like stuff on the floor in the bathroom and it just wasn't like real, a beautiful place, a great place, but it wasn't like very clean. We got downstairs for breakfast and the, the breakfast bar was just like trashed. And it was only like 10 minutes after breakfast started and it was just like trash. And there was no like person. You know how there's always the person? You know, they go back and they do their thing. They bring out all kinds of nice stuff. And, and there was no person. And we waited. It was 20 minutes. We picked through what we could and we ate like 20 minutes. Nobody ever came in or out. So we used the restrooms that were down there. And I came out, I said to my wife, was, was, was your bathroom dirty? She's like, it was terrible. Like the bathrooms were like, they hadn't been clean in like two weeks. The so stuff coming out everywhere. Two of the three stalls, you wouldn't even, couldn't even go in there. It was bad. So I asked to talk to the manager because I didn't want to complain. I just wanted to tell them. And I really didn't want to complain. I just wanted to say, you have to do something with the system because it's a security risk. When you give somebody a key, I don't know what's worse, being in the room and getting walked in on or being the one walking in on the person. I mean, it's terrible. Well, she wouldn't come out and talk to me. She was like behind, you know, behind the, where the thing is, you know, back there. And, and so I was waiting, and I waited, and I waited. And these two, two girls were up front, and they were, you know, they were a little embarrassed. They were being nice, and I was being nice. And well, finally, I left, and I said very loudly, the manager won't come out and speak to me she should be fired. I was mad. I was ticked. Because at that point, I'm thinking, I, w- I want them to know, I want the manager to know what happened. So she could fix this, and this didn't happen again. Because somebody could get 
Somebody could actually get hurt. There could be a real security problem by doing that. Well, they, they try to get a hold of her, and they, she never responded to corporate. She never responded. So they finally gave me two free nights. <laughs> two free nights at any one of the ones in the country. One night for each room that I walked in on and somebody was in there. That's how they, that's how they explained it. So we walked in on this place. They had a bad attitude, a dangerous system, poor accommodations. They were not responsive and completely apathetic to the customer. They weren't ready for us. Their systems were non-existent. We had a terrible experience. We'll never go back. And they just didn't care. And I thought to myself, man, are we going to have, we don't want to have a church like that. Oh, no, no, no. We don't want to have a church like that. So here's my challenge to you. So as we're trying to get our systems in order, we're going to encourage you to get involved and help us with some of this stuff. And you got to do it. You got to do it because we want to have a welcoming church, a church where outsiders come in and they're taken care of. So you got a five-minute exercise for this week. You ready? Five minutes. Three minutes, get out a piece of paper and a pen, write down every way that God has shown his love to you in three minutes, just three minutes. List as many as you can, quickly, three minutes. And then two minutes, I want you to write down the name of a person that you could take one of those ways that God has shown his love to you, and you can, in turn, show God's love to that person through something you could do for them, something like what God did for you. So share the love God gave to you with another person. Be intentional. It's only five minutes. Three minutes for the list, two minutes to find the person, and make it happen. Deal? What a resounding. Ready? Deal? Yeah, okay. It's real easy. Five minutes. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love for us. No matter what we do, your love is greater than our sin. And the cross is stronger, God, than our sin, stronger than death, stronger than hell. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to minister to others in the same way that you've ministered to us, that we would be a hospitable church, and that you give us wisdom as we, as we move forward through the months and years that we would have a church that would welcome outsiders, people that have never been here before. We would care for them and love them, help them to find their, their, their way to you, and then help them to grow in you and to grow in their understanding of who you are. So, Lord, help us, God. We want to love you and serve you the way Jesus loved and served us. In his name we pray. Amen.